So we're going to be talking tonight about the foundation that Joseph restored, you know, early on in church history. So we're going to uncover the crumbled remains of the foundation that Joseph Smith restored. Okay. What we're going to, and we're starting off right here with, with maybe a few things that might be a little different than what you've heard. For example, uh, the early saints rejected the original foundation that Joseph laid. We're going to talk about that. We're going to look at scriptures about that. We're also going to talk about how it's important to accept it again today. And so I've got a, a graphic there on the right of a foundation. You all know a little bit about construction, right? You, um, If you have a, a bad foundation, the structure will not stand. Okay? So everything that we talk about tonight is going to focus in on the word foundation. So let's dive in and have some fun. All right, so I'm going to start with a few scripture study tips. Okay, first thing is do not accept definitions from manuals. From our church, from another church, don't accept them from friends. Okay, believe the scriptures themselves. God has defined almost all of the terms that he's put in the scriptures. He's defined them in the scriptures. So I grew up listening to what other people uh, told me to believe about the scriptures. And it hasn't been until the last few years where I've really learned to dig into the scriptures and find the definitions of terms right in the scriptures. Okay, now one thing we have to understand is that 10 years ago, perhaps, um, we're, we're going to go through some church history today, but the heavens are open again right now. And Heavenly Father is allowing more truth and light on the earth right now than he, than he was five years ago, than he was 10 years ago. And that's because Christ is coming back. We're, we're all hopeful for that. We're all hopeful that we can be a part of that. But the heavens are open. And so there are things being revealed in these last days that may not have been available to us 10 years ago. Okay, and we're going to see some scriptures about that also. Now, when I'm searching the scriptures these days, I find that one of the powerful ways to define a term or a phrase in the scripture is to search multiple entries of that word or that phrase and basically start making bullet points underneath it. Figure out what is God saying about this term or about this phrase. Let him define it. Don't let a manual define it. Okay. Other thing we got to remember is that the Lord's servants are back on the earth helping piece together the doctrines that were closed to us just a few years ago. Really cool thing happened to me a couple months back. Now, I want to tell you just a quick story. I, over the last year, I have laid the scriptures, all the scriptures aside, except for the doctrine and covenant. Now, I haven't really laid them aside, but uh, I've focused on the doctrine of covenants. I think I've read it three times in the last year. And 
knowing that the Lord's servants that were with Joseph Smith in the 1830s, understanding that they are back on the earth today, helping to prepare the way for the rest of us has been an eye opener for me. So we're going to talk about that in, in some fairly detailed ways tonight. But those servants are back and they're helping us piece together the, some of the puzzle pieces that were lost since Joseph was here on the earth. Okay, and, and if you haven't been with us uh, often, you may not know that Joseph Smith will be back. Joseph Smith will be back as the Elias to usher in the second coming of the Lord. He's preparing the people uh, to do that. And his servants are preparing the people right now. That may be new to you, but maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. I was reading in Doctrine and Covenants section 10, and I don't remember what verse it is, but uh, section 10, it's, it's not in your face obvious, but if you read it with the Spirit, you can see that those original servants that were with Joseph in the 1830s are back opening uh, or, or uh, helping us discern and put that puzzle piece together and figure out where things, certain things went wrong in our history. Okay, they're tasked with awakening us. We are the Gentiles in Scripture. And they're declaring the fullness of the gospel, just as Joseph did, by the power of the Holy Ghost right now today. Now, what I've done in this presentation is I have put certain words in red. Those are words that if, if you're interested, these are words that you might want to jot down and then go look up and allow God to define those terms for you. Don't go to you know, the Bible dictionary to, to define it. Let God do it for you. And you'll find that uh, when you put those, when you search multiple entries of that phrase and that word, over time, you're going to start, start seeing trends and patterns and uh, doctrines pop out of the scriptures to you. And it is amazing. It's, it's, it's exhilarating. So every term that you see in red is really a term that either I have looked up and, and defined through the scriptures or one that I want to look up. I haven't done them all, obviously. So just keep that in mind. You can write them down or not. That's entirely up to you. All right. So on the left-hand side there, or right-hand side, excuse me, I've got just, just an image that I found online, but it says Bible dictionary, right? We do not want to define the terms through any sort of dictionary. Let, again, just let God do it. All right. So one of the things that I have have I have learned, and I'm not I'm not superior at it by any means, but I, I now read the scriptures with a completely new set of eyes, where if those servants that were with Joseph back in the 1830s are here again on the earth, then what I've learned is that the scriptures that Joseph wrote back then are every bit as or maybe even more applicable to us today. And so you've got to be able to read those today and recognize, okay, the Lord is talking to Joseph and the servants, but those servants are on the earth right now. And yes, it applied this, this scripture applied to them hundred and something years ago, but it also applies right now today. And so we've got to be able to see that in the scriptures. And, and it will begin, it, 
it may be a little bit challenging at first, but it'll become easier and easier as you do it. So I've pointed out here in red, just a few terms that you could look up. One of the most important terms is the word Gentile. You have got to define the word Gentile because the Book of Mormon was written to the Gentiles to warn the Gentiles, frankly, of themselves. In other words, that was written to us, the LDS, to warn us about us and the, and the traps that we would fall into in the last days. Okay, a couple other words that you might see tonight, maybe not all of them, but second time. This is the second time uh, that Joseph, and, and heck, there may be more, I don't know, but uh, Joseph's back for a second time. We are finishing up the third and fourth generation since the, the covenant curse that God placed upon us when we, did, when we failed to build the Nauvoo temple in the allotted time that he gave us. At that day or in those days, that refers to right now. When you read that, those phrases in scriptures, you know that it's talking about us right now in the last days. A little season. Now, a little season comes between Joseph's first ministry and Joseph's second ministry. And uh, other things that I just added on the end, sons of God, what does that mean? What's the house of Israel? What's the children of men? Those two terms are actually opposites in some ways. The children of men is everybody. We become a son of God or we become part of the house of Israel once we receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we need to figure out that that's what it takes to become a son of God or to become part of the house of Israel. What does it mean to be elect? What does it mean to be called, chosen? It's all in the scriptures. What does it mean to be a prophet? Okay, it doesn't mean president. A prophet means something far more important than that. Apostle means sent one, one that's sent by the Lord himself. What does it mean to be a servant? What does it mean to be a friend? Okay, all of those terms are unique terms that we think we understand. We zip right through those terms. And if we don't really understand them, we're not going to get the full meaning. We attribute, for example, the term servant to anybody in church leadership. That's not the way the Lord uses it in Scripture. He is specifically talking about the group with Joseph back in the 1830s. That same group of servants is back today, like I've mentioned. Okay, so let's, let's practice. I have DNC 8874 to 81 here, and I've skipped a couple of verses, but we're going to practice looking at a scripture that was written back in the 1830s, and we're going to figure out how it's applicable to us today. So it says, and I give unto you who are the first laborers in this last kingdom. Now, there's a term we could look up, right? It's in red. What that's referring to are the original servants in Joseph's first ministry and those that, that were working along with those servants. So it says, I give unto you who are the first laborers in the last kingdom a commandment that you assemble yourselves together and organize yourselves and prepare yourselves and sanctify yourselves. Yea, purify your hearts and cleanse your hands and your feet before me, that I may make you clean. Okay, so yes, this was applicable to Joseph and to the servants and the, and the first laborers in the last kingdom. But this is applicable to the, those original servants who are back and to those that they are gathering right now. 
Let's continue in 77. Because it just says that the, the commandment for us right now is to organize ourselves, prepare ourselves, sanctify us, purify our hearts, cleanse our hands and our feet before the Lord. That's what we should be doing right now. And by us logging on to Zoom meetings like this, that's, that's part of it. We're organized, right? Okay, 77, I give unto you a commandment that you shall teach one another the doctrine of the kingdom. Teach ye diligently, and my grace shall attend you, that you may be instructed more perfectly in theory, in principle, in doctrine, in the law of the gospel, in all things that pertain unto the kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God is referring to Zion, which is coming. We're learning about how to be a Zion people. And all these things are expedient for you to understand. Okay, what else should we learn about? Verse 79, things both in, both in heaven and in the earth and under the earth, things which have been, things which are, things which must shortly come to pass, things which are at home, things which are abroad, the wars and the perplexities of the nations and the judgments which are on the land and the knowledge of countries and of kingdoms. Okay, so we've got to understand everything that's going on right now and how it fits into the scriptures. For example, this, all this crazy COVID stuff going on, right? That is part of the secret combinations. We need to be able to recognize that in scripture. 80 says that ye may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again. Well, when did he send the first group? In the 1830s. When is he sending them again? Right now. Okay, so the, that word again is in red. That's a word that you can you ought to highlight when you're reading in the scriptures. Okay, so he sent his servants again to magnify the calling whereunto I have called you, or them, those servants, and the mission with which I have commissioned you. Behold, I sent you out to testify and to warn the people, and it becometh every man who hath been warned to warn his neighbor. It happened in Joseph's day. It's happening right now again. It's an exciting time to be alive right now. Okay, so we're going to now kind of shift gears. That's that's the way I, one of the ways that I study the scriptures. I find some of those key terms, I define them, and then you'll start seeing them pop up everywhere. Okay, so right now we're going to shift gears and we're going to focus on the term foundation. And we're going to talk about that term throughout the rest of the presentation tonight and focus on exactly what Joseph restored how it was rejected by the early saints, and then again, how we need to accept it anew in our day. So let's figure out what was that original foundation, okay? One of the things we need to understand is that, yes, Joseph restored the fullness, but, and this is interesting, he only laid the foundation of the restoration. He did not restore the entire structure. We're going to read some scriptures about that. Okay, the fullness or the entire structure comes during the dispensation of the fullness of times. If you're like me, I was taught that we were already in that. Not true, okay, because we've actually been living in the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham since 1836. And we read that in section 110, right? That's where Moses appeared and committed the keys of the gathering of Israel from the four parts of the earth. And then right after that, in verse 12, it says, after this, Elias then appeared. Elias was probably Abraham, is what we, what we think. 
and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, which is the preparatory gospel. Okay, that is something less than what Joseph restored initially, but what Joseph restored was lost, which is why Abraham or Elias returned to commit the gospel or the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, something lesser, because the saints were unable to handle the terrestrial order of that gospel. And so they were left with a telestial order, which is the preparatory gospel. Okay, saying that in us and our seed, all generations after us should be blessed. Okay, so we find ourselves probably finishing up the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham. And if we haven't just barely entered the dispensation of the fullness of times, we are, we are beginning to enter that here soon. Okay, so let's talk about Joseph only laying the foundation. This is important. DNC 1, verse 29. Now, just as a side note, DNC 1 is packed full of uh, references that refer to Joseph's first ministry as well as his second ministry, which is really in the works right now. So verse 29 says, And after having received the record of the Nephites, yea, even my servant Joseph Smith Jr. might have power to translate through the mercy of God, by the power of God, the Book of Mormon. And also, those who are who are those who are they? They are the other servants with Joseph, those to whom these commandments were given, that they might have power to lay the foundation of this church and to bring it forth out of obscurity. Now, they were bringing it forth out of obscurity then, but they are also bringing forth the church out of obscurity right now today. Okay, and we'll read some more scriptures that, that, that talk about how right now today we are in the dark and have been for quite some time. And, and so bringing forth out of obscurity and out of darkness, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. As a side note, when Joseph restored uh, the gospel, he restored the terrestrial order of the gospel initially. He a short time after that, he restored the celestial order. But it wasn't soon thereafter that, that the majority of the members could not live up to the terrestrial order, and they fell under condemnation, which we'll read later on in section 84. And they were left ultimately with a telestial order of the gospel. Okay. Let's also read more about the foundation. Doctrine and Covenants 21, 1 through 2. Behold, there shall be a record kept among you. And I'm wondering if that should say DNC 20. I could be wrong on that. Uh, I may have an incorrect reference there. It says, there shall be a record kept among you, and in it thou, Joseph, shall be called a seer, a translator, a prophet, an apostle of Jesus Christ, an elder of the church, through the will of God the Father, and the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, being inspired of the Holy Ghost to lay the foundation thereof. So again, Joseph is, we've got, on, we've got on record so far in just two instances that Joseph is merely laying the foundation for the complete restoration or the dispensation of the fullness of times when the full structure will be um, built upon that foundation. All right, so what is the foundation? What it, we know from Scripture that a solid foundation is a rock. And a sandy foundation is not solid, right? Now, 
our, our testimony should be built upon the rock. Our testimony should not be based upon the church. It should not be based on the leaders. It should not be based on the temple. It should be based on the rock, which is Jesus Christ and his doctrine, the doctrine of Christ. Okay, so I'm going to briefly review the doctrine of Christ in, in its most basic steps. And you can find that in 2 Nephi 31 and 32, as well as 3 Nephi 11 and 12. And there, it's all over the place, quite honestly. But uh, the, the most obvious place is 2 Nephi 31 and 32. So most of us know this. But the first, I would say the first part of the doctrine of Christ is entering into the new and everlasting covenant. Now, that's defined as offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit in Scripture. And uh, I've got some references there that you're welcome to check out. Now, what does that mean to, to offer up a broken heart and a contrite spirit or to enter the, the new and everlasting covenant? Okay, number one. We need to understand the new and everlasting covenant is not marriage. It's not polygamy. Okay. It is offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit. What that means is in my prayers, I say, Heavenly Father, I will follow you no matter what. I will take truth and receive truth from wherever you send it to me. If it's in a church, I'll, I'll take it from the church. If it's in scripture, I'll take it from scripture. If it comes right from you through inspiration or revelation, I'll take it. If uh, I, I, don't, I don't need to base all of that on the Bible dictionary. I don't need to, to I, I base it on the scriptures. I base it on inspiration that I receive right from our Heavenly Father. And then I promise, I say, Heavenly Father, if you give me that truth, Wherever it comes from, I don't care. I will follow it. I'll do it however uncomfortable. I will follow you and obey that truth that you give me. Okay. Next is the baptism by water to fulfill the commandment. That's a, that's a commandment that we, we've been given by Jesus Christ, who showed us the, the correct method to be baptized. Okay, that one we're very familiar with, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. Although, there is a water baptism into the, into the telestial order. There's also a water baptism into, into the terrestrial order. And the different baptismal prayers, uh, the, the baptismal prayer in Doctrine and Covenants 20, I think it's 20, is, or I can't remember. It's either 20 or 76, 78. I can't, I'm, I'm having a brain moment right now. Uh, is the telestial prayer. The baptismal prayer in 3 Nephi 11 is the terrestrial baptismal prayer. Okay, next, baptism by fire and the Holy Ghost. Now, most of us have been taught that when we were confirmed members of the church at eight years old, that we received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what we actually learn it from Scripture, and we actually have Elder Bednar stating this as well, but uh, this was a general conference 2010, but mainly in scripture, we learned that we don't actually receive the Holy Ghost at confirmation. Okay, those are just words pronounced upon us, uh, commanding us or exhorting us to go out, seek that gift with all your heart by entering into the new and everlasting covenant with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, 
and saying, I will do anything and everything to, to f- learn truth and to follow you. And when we do that, and we've shown that we will be faithful to that truth that we're given, even if it's uncomfortable, then it, the scriptures tell us that Jesus Christ himself will baptize us with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And let's remember the best definition of the baptism of fire is actually found, in in my opinion, is in Helaman chapter 5, when all the people in the prison who are about to kill Nephi and Lehi repented because of the mist of darkness. They were terrified, and they, they truly repented. These are wicked people. They repent. They're encircled about. Their whole bodies are encircled about with fire, and they receive a baptism of fire and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Angels came down and conferred that uh, gift upon them. It was approved by Christ and conferred by by angels, potentially at times by Christ himself, but but usually probably by by other angels on the other side of the veil. At times it happens by angels on this side of the veil. Okay, Um, and then the next, the, the fourth step, if you will, in the doctrine of Christ is receiving the Lord in the flesh, in his glory, which is a second comforter event. And that's, that, that's the, uh, the promise of eternal life. That is entrance into the church of the firstborn, the celestial order. Now, baptism by fire and the Holy Ghost is entrance into the terrestrial order of the gospel and into that church. And then lastly is enduring to the end or overcoming by faith. And so you can, you can, uh, Look up some of those scriptures if you like. In fact, I'm going to share a ton more at the end of this presentation that uh, most of them focused on the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost. And you are welcome to uh, download the document that I provide in the, in the chat. All right, so let's move on. Now, one of the things that Christ says about his doctrine is that we cannot declare more or less than what he declares. So let's read 3 Nephi 11. This is when he's visiting the Nephites. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my doctrine. And whoso buildeth upon this, buildeth upon my rock. There's that rock again, right? That's the foundation we're talking about. We, that's the foundation Joseph laid. Okay? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. But whoso, whoso shall declare more or less than this, more or less than my doctrine, and establish it for my doctrine, the same cometh of evil, and is not built upon my rock, but he buildeth upon a sandy foundation. There's that word again, sandy, sandy foundation, right? And the gates of hell stand open. We heard the doctrine of Christ preached in its fullness, meaning the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost, being encircled about by fire, receiving the baptism of fire when your, your whole body is, uh, is heaven, heaven is there bestowing upon you that gift, that heavenly gift. When was the last time we heard anyone talk about the second comfort? When, when you, in the flesh, in other words, in this life, ascend up into the heavens, your spirit does, and you meet the Savior, and the Savior allows you to witness, to be a witness of the marks of the atonement in his feet, 
in his hands and in his side. That's what we're talking about. I've heard a lot less than that over the pulpit. Okay, I haven't heard that fullness. So we need to make sure that we are declaring the entire doctrine of Christ in its fullness, at least the fullness that we've been given. Nothing more, nothing less. Those are Christ's words, not mine. Okay, nothing more, nothing less. So let's let's take a, let's take a look at a few things here. Okay, the new and everlasting covenant. Well, I was taught all my life that the new and everlasting covenant was temple marriage and polygamy. That's not what the scriptures say. Is that more or is that less? Okay, it's, it's definitely not the same thing. Baptism by water. Okay, we we've, we've done pretty well with that one. The only difference is there's a preparatory baptism into the celestial organization. And there's a terrestrial baptism. And, and there very well may be a, a celestial baptism as well. I don't know. Baptism by fire and baptism by the Holy Ghost. Most of us don't didn't have a clue of what that was long ago. Not too long ago, I mean. Okay, we don't even know what that is. We see it all over the scriptures, and we have no clue what it's talking about most, most of the time. We're starting to learn, though, right? The heavens are open again. Okay, the second comforter, off limits. Can't even talk about that today. Okay. And enduring to the end, well, you know, we casually do our best. Those are kind of opposite phrases. I know casual, doing your best, not exactly the same thing, but that's, that's how I approached it for years and years and years. Okay. So right now, I would say that the current understanding within that, that I grew up with is much less than what Jesus Christ taught in 2 Nephi 31 and 32, 3 Nephi 11 and 12. Okay, so let's, let's look at a little bit more. What we're going to compare now are some temple interview questions, for example. Okay, do you have faith in and a testimony of God, the Father, the Son, and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost? Great question. Does that focus on Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Okay, so two thumbs up there. That is a, that's a wonderful question that relates to our commitment through the everlasting covenant to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. How about, do we have a testimony of Jesus Christ as our Savior? That is the rock right there. Do you have a testimony of the restoration of the gospel? Solid, right? The gospel. Uh, is is the 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 rock of Jesus Christ as well as Jesus Christ is the rock. Okay, so temple question. So far, so good. Okay, so let's move on here. But now we got a couple that, in my opinion, go off track a little bit from the doctrine of Christ. Okay, now you guys may differ in your opinion a little bit here. I actually went back and forth on a few, but notice now. Our focus is taken away from Christ and his gospel and his doctrine to other things. Okay. Do you sustain the president of the church? Okay. What, what we're really talking about, there, there's, a, there's a problem with that. And let me show you what it is. It's found in DNC 84 as well as in Exodus 20, 18 through 21. Now, I'm going to summarize that for you. I'm not going to, we're not going to go read it. Okay. The children of Israel with Moses. 
the children of Israel, um, Moses was trying to sanctify them so that they would ascend up into the presence of God, receive the second comforter, and they, as they, uh, as they were preparing for that, they saw the lightning, they saw all the fiery craziness of the Lord at the top of the mountain, and they were too afraid. And they said, Moses, we're too afraid. Moses, you go talk to God, and then we'll talk to you. Okay, that's the question that they're asking right here. And that's the very reason why the Lord cursed the children of Israel. That's also the very reason why the Lord cursed the early saints, because they did the same thing with Joseph. They could not endure the terrestrial doctrine of Christ. They said, Joseph, you talk to God. We'll talk to you. Or you, you share what God wants us to learn. Instead of us going right to God, we, we're going to put you as our intermediary, intermediary, Joseph or Moses. And if we do that with, our, with the president of the church, we're doing the same exact thing. Same exact thing. Or with any of the members of the first presidency. Okay, so in my, in my mind, those, those get off track a little bit from the true doctrine of Christ. Okay, so in, in, now we're starting to introduce more than what Christ said should be his doctrine. Let's go on. There's some more good ones here. Do you, do you support or promote any teachings, practices, or doctrine contrary to those of the church of Jesus Christ? Now, I went back and forth on this one, okay? Uh, I think I have, yeah, I've got some uh, X's there. I part of me says that's a good question. Part of me has some problems because now we're basing that question on an institution. It's not based on Christ per se. It's based on an institution. And, and that's where I, I have some some feelings that uh, feel a little bit contradictory. They make me uncomfortable a little bit. Okay, so there's that word uncomfortable. What am I going to do with that? Am I going to put blinders on? Am I going to run? Or am I going to ask God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to follow? Do you want me to follow an institution? Do you want me to follow you? What do you want from me? And then promise to do it and then go do it. Okay, how about the next one? Do you strive to keep the Sabbath day holy? I can't really find any fault in that statement, but we're talking, then we start bringing in, you know, meetings and, and do you attend your meetings? And, and that, that may get off track a little bit, but do you strive to be honest? Eh, that's a pretty good question. I think that's all part of the everlasting covenant, right? Committing to God that we're going to do certain things. And the last question, do you consider yourself worthy to enter the Lord's house? Again, I go back and forth on this because there is no mention whatsoever in the scriptures, at least associated with the doctrine of Christ, the rock, the foundation, that has to do much at all with temples. I think we've gone, uh, we've kind of added some more to the doctrine of Christ. We've added more than what Christ declared as his doctrine. Okay, we've all, yeah, are you a full tithe payer? More questions, right? I, I, the, the problem I have with that is Mormon 8.32, where it says, for your, uh, for your money, we will forgive your sins. Or in other words, if you want to get the, uh, the full temple ordinances, you better pay your tithing. I struggle with that. that. That creates a conflict with me. And so I've asked Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do with that? And I've got an answer. 
Okay, and, and I would challenge you to do the same thing. Do you understand and obey the word of wisdom? Again, I can't, I can't receive those temple ordinances if I don't obey the word of wisdom. And I've learned that the word of wisdom today is not what the word of wisdom was in Joseph's day. And the word of wisdom says that this is not by constraint, right? And when they hold that out as part of the, you know, a, a attending the temple, I struggle with that. That's constraining me to obey that word of wisdom. And it shouldn't be out of constraint. Do you have any financial or other obligations to a former spouse, right? We, you know all the rest of them. Though I struggle with these, all five of them, okay? Are they bad questions? No, no, they're not, but they are not what Christ said his doctrine was, okay? So in my opinion, he, we have added more to, to what Christ said he, originally his doctrine should be. All right, so we're starting to see that maybe there are some, some issues with that foundation that Joseph laid. Let's read 3 Nephi eleven twenty eight. There shall be no disputations among you as there have hitherto been. Neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the points of my doctrine as there have hitherto been. He stated what his doctrine is. He stated we should not add to it. We should not take away from it. Let's read DNC 84, 54 through 58. Okay, this is basically the story of the children of Israel. But we're also talking about the early saints and the the way the Lord felt about them at that time. It says, and your minds in times past have been darkened, saints, because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things you have received, which now look at these next two terms, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. The saints were too vain. They thought they... They, they thought they knew it all. They were bringing other doctrines into the church. Joseph had established the doctrine of Christ, and they brought doctrines in from their other faiths, from the Baptists, from the Presbyterians, from the Cochranites. Okay, they added more to the, the doctrine, and that's why they fell under condemnation. And they also had the problem of unbelief. They, they struggled to believe that they could see the Lord face to face that they could receive the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And so they fell under condemnation. They didn't believe enough. It says, and this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. Okay, even all of us today, and and plenty of general authorities have, have said that this applies to us today. And it says, and they shall remain under this condemnation until when? Until they repent. And remember the new covenant. Well, didn't we just talk about that? The new and everlasting covenant? It's found in the Book of Mormon. And also remember the former commandments, which I've given them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I've written. We can talk all we want. We have got to act. We have got to act and do the things. When I read of prophets in the Book of Mormon, like Alma saying, I've fasted many days. We need to be fasting for many days. When I see and read about prophets crying to the Lord in mighty prayer, I need to figure out what mighty prayer is. And then I need to, and I, I need to do my best to enter into mighty prayer with the Lord very often. That's what it means to do the things 
not to just say the things that we find in the Book of Mormon. That's entering the new and everlasting covenant. And then 58, so that, you know, that condemnation's on us until we enter the covenant, and then we will bring forth fruit, meat for the Father's kingdom. That's referring to Zion. Otherwise, if we don't do those things, there remaineth, remaineth a scourge. It means the scourge is already upon us right now, and a judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. Okay, we need to come out from under this judgment, this scourge, this condemnation, and we do it by entering the new and everlasting covenant, offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and telling Heavenly Father, I will do whatever you ask me to do, no matter how different, no matter how comfortable it is or uncomfortable it is. All right, all of this was prophesied in the parable of the redemption of Zion. We're not going to read the whole thing. Okay, but it foretells that the saints, the early saints, will reject the foundation laid by Joseph. Now, the goal of the parable, we've already talked about it, but the goal of the parable is to build a tower. The early servants were commissioned to build a tower. Why? What do you do upon a tower? What, what's the guy doing in the picture? He's, he's looking. He's a watchman. The Lord expects all of us to ascend up the tower. Listen to those words with your spiritual ears. We're to ascend up the tower so that we can see. What do we see? We can see when, when we ascend, both the good and the bad are open to us. Okay, we're able to see the adversary and, and his tactics better. We, we, the, the higher we ascend that tower, the more we can see the Savior. We can experience that second comforter event eventually. Okay, but, but our job is to ascend so that we can see. Okay, the problem was after Joseph laid the foundation, the servants after Joseph, who were commissioned to continue the tower, began working on other projects to further their own agenda or even build their own tower. So let's read it right from the scriptures. Starting in verse 44 of section 101, a certain nobleman had a spot of land, very choice. And he said unto his servants, okay, who are the servants? Joseph and the original uh, servants, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, Lyman White, right? And, and, and several others as well. Go ye into my vineyard and even, even upon this very choice piece of land and plant 12 olive trees and set watchmen round about them and build a tower that one may overlook the land round about to be a watchman upon the tower, that mine olive trees may not be broken down when the enemy shall come to spoil and take upon themselves the fruit of my vineyard. Well, who are the olive trees or what are the olive trees? Well, for purposes right now, we can just consider that the house of Israel. Those are the, that's hopefully us. We all want to be part of the house of Israel. Okay, but we know the Lord is stating that uh, we need to watch for the adversary because he will come. Not he might come, he will come. And he will, he will spoil and he will take the fruit of the vineyard. It says, now the servants of the nobleman went and did as their Lord commanded them. And they planted the olive trees and built a hedge round about and set watchmen and began to build a tower. Verse 47, and while they were yet laying the foundation thereof, right? So we're talking about the basics. 
the foundation of the gospel, they began to say among themselves, and what need hath my Lord of this tower? So Joseph Smith is gone now, and these the servants after Joseph are questioning, why are we building this tower again? What's it for? What are we, what are we doing here? And they consulted for a long time, saying among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? Might not this money be given to the exchangers? For there is no need of these things. So the word long time, okay, they have consulted since Joseph was martyred. They have, the servants following Joseph have consulted for a long time and questioned, what are we doing with this tower again? In fact, they've even said, shouldn't we invest this money? We can, make, we can make money here. Let's invest it, maybe in the stock market, something like that. There's no need of these things. We don't need to build a tower. Even though the Lord commissioned them, the Lord is the nobleman. The Lord commissioned the servants to build that tower. Okay, so what, what did we just learn? The servants after Joseph did not understand the purpose of the tower. They, they were lacking in spiritual maturity. And let's face it, Joseph was, was far superior to many of the early servants. The other thing that could have happened is they hijacked leadership for power, gain, influence, propagation of polygamy, for example. My, my studies have shown me that Joseph was not a proponent of polygamy ever. In fact, he excommunicated several people for polygamy. And he was about to excommunicate several more, but he was killed, likely because he was about to excommunicate some of those people over polygamy. The more information that comes out about Joseph, the more it exonerates Joseph. Emma was consistent. Joseph was consistent. Joseph did not practice polygamy. Um, we also see that uh, they took the funds of the church and invested them in the stock market. They never completed the tower, okay? Which means that the members never ascended the tower, okay? There may have been a few original servants who did, but after Joseph was martyred, they, uh, some of that authority, some of that uh, spiritual insight was lost and uh, they're back to kind of redeem themselves from, from that initial failure, if you want to call it that. Okay, so over time, this original foundation began to decay. In other words, the plain and precious truths that we just read about in the doctrine of Christ were forgotten or removed over time. Things like the everlasting covenant, I've, I've crossed that out. We've, we've replaced it with eternal marriage, with polygamy. That's not what it was initially. That's not what it is in Scripture. We have lost the true meaning of the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, and we're not allowed to even speak of the second comforter. Right? So that's the original foundation. It's crumbling now. Today, all we have is remnants of that initial foundation that Joseph left when he was martyred. Let's continue with the parable. While they, the servants after Joseph, were at variance one with another, in other words, they were disagreeing, they became very slothful, and they hearkened not unto the commandments of their Lord to build the tower. And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge of protection 
And the servants of the noblemen arose and were affrighted and fled. And the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. Well, all, what, what that means is the members were, were scattered. They were left with, um, they were destroyed. If you see the picture here, we've got um, an olive tree, which has been broken down. The branches are broken. They're fallen. The servants are back today to help fix, mend, uh, graft the olive trees. To, to help us restore those doctrines, that, that, that initial foundation that was lost. Joseph will then take that and build upon that foundation, the city of Zion, and the, all the doctrines that go along with it. Okay, so what else do we learn? The succeeding servants kept a few doctrinal remnants from that initial foundation, but they've abandoned the foundational principles of the doctrine of Christ in many ways, not all of them, but some of them, so that today we have the lesser portion, right? We were talking about more or less than what the doctrine that Christ declared is. And today we have something lesser. They invested their money and time and, and built an entirely different structure altogether. They used doctrinal remnants to build that structure. But more and more precepts of men entered into mainstream Mormonism to build an entirely different tower, a telestial tower. Now, this was all part of the Lord's plan. He knew this was going to happen. So we don't need to take offense at this whatsoever. It's all in scripture. Okay. So we've got, we've got a difficult situation in the church today. And the, the easiest example, in my opinion, and it's, it's not a, a pleasant talking uh, doctrine, but polygamy is an easy one to talk about because if Joseph did not practice polygamy, it was propagated by Brigham. Well, then we've got a, we've got a, a, an issue there, right? We've got someone introducing something that was not part of the original foundation. And they can't, the church is in a hard place. I, I feel for them because they can't renounce polygamy or else they're renouncing Brigham and everybody after. But we need to be smarter than that. We need to see some of these uh Doctrines, some of these precepts of men that have crept in to the church, not the not the gospel, because the gospel stays the same. But these doctrines have crept into the church, and uh, we've got to be able to see past them. Okay, and Nephi in Second Nephi twenty seven eleven says, "The day cometh that all things, all things means good and bad, shall be revealed unto the children of men, which ever have been." Now, he's talking about a lot of things well before the Latter-day Restoration, but he's talking about all things, good and bad, will be revealed to us in the last days. And we're starting to, they're, they're being revealed right now. Polygamy is one of them. Joseph did not practice polygamy. And uh, that's just an easy, easy one to talk about because it's, it's kind of in your face obvious. Okay, so... Let's think about this for a minute. What structure exists today that is built upon a false foundation? What scriptures come to your mind? Now, this, this may be harsh. Okay. What's that a picture of? What We see on the right-hand side there, right across from the tree of life, the great and spacious building, which stood high in the air, which had no foundation, right? We've all been taught that. Okay. Now, if you're, if you're going to be offended, don't be. 
Okay, because there have been plenty of general authorities that said the church is the great and spacious building. Okay, if you're going to have a problem, they've got, you know, their authority. Who am I? I'm a nobody. Okay, they've said it. I'm saying it as well. Okay, so let's read a little bit about it. Nephi or Lehi said, and I also cast my eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water, a great and spacious building. And it stood, as it were, in the air without a foundation, high above the earth. And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female. And their manner of dress was exceedingly fine. And they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers towards those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. Now, the rod of iron represents the gift of the Holy Ghost. We cannot grab the rod of iron until we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We can have access to the to the rod at times but we have to figure out how to grasp that rod and, and hold fast to it and we do that when we receive the gift of the holy ghost and then we work our way up that path holding fast to the rod until we receive the tree or the second comforter and what are the people in the great and spacious building doing they're mocking those who believe in the true doctrine of christ they're based on the true foundation laid by Joseph. That's exactly what Moses was trying to do. That's exactly what Joseph was trying to do. And they're saying, what are they saying in the building? We've received and we need no more. Right? That's uh, 2 Nephi 28. We know that they're, they're laughing at the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They, they think, I've already got that. I'm good to go. I'm sealed in the temple. Even though the temple is purely symbolic of the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost and the second comforter. It's not the real deal. It's, it's symbolic of receiving the real thing from the Lord himself. Okay. And what's crazy to me is those are the very things that the Lord preached in his doctrine as his doctrine. The very thing he wants for all of us, and those are the very things that will be mocked by those in the great and spacious building. Okay? Nephi says, All have gone astray, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they, the humble followers, are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. Those are the precepts that are built up, that have built up this other tower, not the tower Joseph created, an entirely different tower altogether. Okay, 3 Nephi 16.10. Okay, this is the Lord himself talking to the Nephites. And he's, he's basically saying that, guys, in the last days, the saints in Joseph's day will reject me and the gospel. The Lord said, and thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you, at that day when the LDS Gentiles shall sin against my gospel, which is the foundation we're talking about, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, okay? And there is no other people that can claim the fullness of the gospel except for the LDS people. So at that day when they reject the fullness of that gospel and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations and above all the people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lyings 
and of deceits and of mischiefs and all manner of hypocrisy and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms and of secret abominations. And if they shall do all these things and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. Now, he just said, when the early saints will reject the gospel, that's the condemnation we read about in BNC 84. When they do that, I will remove the fullness. That's the condemnation, right? That the saints fell under. They, they lost the terrestrial gospel and were given a celestial preparatory gospel, the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham. And you might be questioning, well, what are they talking about with pride above all the earth and all manner of lyings and deceits and mischiefs and hypocrisy and murders? Well, when some of these doctrines like polygamy, like celestial marriage, some of these, when they entered in, they were not what Joseph taught. Okay. In fact, whoredom would relate to whoredom and abomination relate would relate right to polygamy. And the and when Joseph was murdered, in part probably over there could very well be others that they're referring to as well. But the Lord has indeed removed the fullness from among the saints since the days of Joseph, since he was martyred. In fact, even before that. As early as 1834 or 35, uh, in May, we can read about that in the times and seasons. Okay, but that's a discussion for another night. Okay, now, this, this is the pattern in Scripture all over the place, because the same thing happened to the Nephites after Christ's visit. As we read this, okay, tell me if this does not sound exactly like us today. And it came to pass that when 210 years had passed away, there were many churches in the land. Remember, a church, as defined by God in Scripture, is not an institution. It's not a building. It's not uh, what it is, is a group of followers. Okay? We've got many groups of followers. We've got many wards. We've got many stakes in the land. Yea, and there were many churches which professed to know the Christ. Well, knowing the Christ relates to the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost, as well as at the higher level, the second comforter. And yet, continuing on, and yet they, pro they professed to know, and yet they did deny the more parts of his gospel, the foundation. They denied the terrestrial order and were left with something lesser, just like us, insomuch that they did receive all manner of wickedness. And did administer that which was sacred unto him to whom it had been forbidden because of unworthiness. And this church, this telestial church, did multiply exceedingly. Man, is that not a parallel to what we're experiencing today? It absolutely is. Okay, 1 Nephi 13. After the LDS Gentiles do stumble exceedingly because of the most plain and precious parts of the gospel of the Lamb, which have been kept back. I will be merciful unto the LDS Gentiles in that day. That's today. So when, when they rejected the foundation, there was a, a short period where we were ch chastened. And now the Lord is saying, I'm going to be merciful to the LDS Gentiles in the very last days, insomuch that I will bring forth unto them 
in mine own power much of my gospel, or I'll restore much of my gospel to them, which shall be plain and precious, saith the Lamb. Our problem today is that we simply don't know the scriptures. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. But thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. So because we don't understand the scriptures well today, because we've been tough, we've been fed terrestrial, excuse me, celestial doctrines through celestial leaders, instead of getting our definitions from the scriptures, which are terrestrial doctrines, we, we will suffer. We will be destroyed for a lack of knowledge unless we repent, enter the new covenant, offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit. Seek the baptism of fire with our whole hearts until we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then we continue enduring until we receive the second comforter. All part of the doctrine of Christ, the foundation that we're talking about here. Now, today, we're talking about restoring the original foundation that Joseph laid. Today, we are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men. We're only kept from the truth because we know not where to find it. We read that, we, we attribute that scripture to all the other Christian churches. And in fact, just like I mentioned earlier, this is talking about the LDS today. Unfortunately, we, we just, we see right past it and think, no, it can't be us. It has to be everybody else, but it's not. Remember, the servants are back. From Joseph's day to today, declaring the fullness of the gospel, the foundation, and they are delivering the fullness to us. We also need to remember that it is the very elect who are deceived. Every elect person on the earth will be deceived. Whether they can advance beyond that deception is whether or not they will hearken to the Holy Spirit and take the Spirit as their guide. But if you think, that because you belong to a specific church that you will not be deceived, oh, you, you've got something coming. Because the very elect will be deceived. It is their responsibility to take the Holy Spirit for their guide and move past that. Some of the, some of the elect today have gone down strange paths at times and were deceived. They come back because they are elect. They come back because they are elect. Okay? Remember, the Lord has promised a great and marvelous restoration, which would come after a little season of apostasy. We've read that several times already, and we're going to read it again here shortly. Okay? Joseph laid the foundation for a future great and marvelous work. We always thought that the Book of Mormon, the initial restoration was the great and marvelous work. It was not. It was only laying the foundation for that work. That, that great and marvelous work is a future event to come, okay? It'll come to us. Quite frankly, it will come from among us to us prior to the second coming. Let's read DNC 64, 33. Wherefore, be not weary in well-doing, Joseph, for ye are laying the foundation of a great work. Oh, and I put in parentheses there, a greater work. The greater work which will come when we build upon that foundation, that initial foundation. 
and out of small things proceedeth that which is great. All right, I've got some Isaiah imagery here, okay? A lot of this is repetitive, that these next three scriptures are, but let's read it because it's important. It says, Behold, there shall be many at that day, or the last days, when I shall proceed to do a marvelous work among them, that I rem may remember my covenants, which I have made unto the children of men, that I may set my hand again the second time to recover my people, which are of the house of Israel. That is jam-packed full of truth and goodness there. When it says that the Lord will set his hand again, he's talking about the return of Joseph Smith a second time. Joseph Smith is the Lord's right hand. He's the hand of righteousness in scripture. The left hand is the king of Assyria or the evil end time tyrant who is the basically the arch enemy of the Lord and of Joseph Smith. And they will, they will basically duke it out, uh, spiritually speaking. So the Lord will set his hand or bring Joseph back again a second time to recover his people. Well, if he, he wouldn't have to recover his people if they weren't already fallen. He has to recover them from their fallen state. And that's what the second verse says there in, in 2 Nephi 25, 17. The Lord will set his hand again a second time to restore his people from their lost and fallen state. Wherefore, he will proceed to do a marvelous work and a wonder among the children of men. And then we take it right from Isaiah. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left. Not all will believe Joseph when he comes again. Not all will believe the servants when they come declaring truth, restoring the foundation. It will only be a remnant. It will be hard because you're going to, some of us will think, and hopefully not us, hopefully not us. Let's pray that we recognize Joseph because he probably won't go by the name Joseph. He probably won't look like what we think Joseph will look like. He probably won't speak like we think Joseph would speak. Okay, who knows? But let's hope we recognize him and we can follow the Holy Spirit and follow him when he speaks forth those, those words of truth. Now, check, check this one out. This is a quote by Joseph Smith um, in 1835. It is not necessary that God should give us all things at first. Or, meaning, in his first commission to us, as Joseph and the original servants, but in his second commission. Then he said, John, who restored um, you know, so the, the gospel in the last days. So John saw the angel deliver the gospel in the last days. Not the latter days, the last days. Which would not be necessary if it was already in the world. What's not in the world? That's why that foundation must be restored in the last days, not the latter days, because it was restored once, it will be restored again, the fullness, the foundation. All right, so let's let's finish up the parable of the redemption of Zion in DNC 101, starting with verse 55. And this talks about everything we just read about Joseph Smith returning. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, that was Joseph Smith, and we learned that from DNC 103, verse 21. What did he say to Joseph? 
go and gather the residue of my servants. In other words, the servants that, that remain faithful that are on the earth right now. Yes, they were on the earth with Joseph in the 1830s, but they're on the earth right now. Joseph has communicated with them already. And the servants are out preaching the gospel in its fullness right now. And take all the strength of mine house. I hope I can be a part of the strength of the Lord's house. I hope that includes me. Which are my warriors, my young men, and they that are of middle age also among all my servants. Who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I have appointed to tarry. And what are they, those servants supposed to do? Go ye straightway into the land of my vineyard and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine and I have bought it with money. I paid the price for that, for those, those saints. I atoned for their sins. I paid the price for them. Will they enter the everlasting covenant and come unto me? Will they recognize the servants when they come? Okay, say so he continues. Therefore, Joseph and the servants, get ye straightway unto my land. Break down the walls of my enemies. Throw down their tower and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, which means we that those servants will see some tough opposition from those who built up the other tower. But even so, it says, the Lord said to him, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. Well, what happens in this land, this choice land? Zion, where the rest of that tower will be built, where we will learn to see the Lord face to face. Now, before all this happens, we will experience the great division. Okay, that's what Nephi calls it. The great division in 2 Nephi 30, verse 10. This is also the gulf spoken of by Lehi. For the time speedily cometh that the Lord God shall cause a great division among the people. So let's read a few scriptures about that division, because it's not pleasant. It says, for the time cometh in 1 Nephi 14, 7 saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and marvelous work among the children of men, a work shall be, which shall be everlasting, either on the one hand or the other. We only have two, two hands. We've got one option or the other. Okay? The first option is either to the convincing of them unto peace and eternal life, that's through the doctrine of Christ, or the other hand, our other option is, unto the deliverance of them unto the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, which is going against the doctrine of Christ. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. It's different. It's hard. Unto their being brought down into captivity and also into destruction. Are we willing to pay the price that it takes to do whatever the Lord asks us to do? That's hard. More about the great division. 3 Nephi 21.9, for in that day, that's the last days, for my sake shall the Father work a work, which shall be great and a marvelous work among them. And there shall be among them those who will not believe it, although a man, that word man refers to the same man that we read about in DNC 101, 
That's the end time servant. That's Joseph. Although that man shall declare it unto them, many will not believe it. Second Nephi 27, 26. Therefore, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people. This people, the Lord's people. Yea, a marvelous work and a wonder for the wisdom of their wise and their learned. In other words, the, the ecclesiastical leaders shall perish and the understanding of their prudent shall be hid. Again, the great division, DNC 45, 28 and 29. And when the times of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them, among the church members that sit in darkness. Well, why do they sit in darkness? Because they've, they've fallen to a celestial order and they're sitting in darkness. And it shall be the fullness of my gospel. That's the light. But they receive it not. For they perceive not the light. Why? They turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. These men get in the way. We cannot put a man in between us and God. That's idolatry. That's what the children of Israel did. That's what the early saints did. We cannot make the same mistake today. Every single one of us, every single member, Many non-members will have the opportunity to choose between the arm of flesh, the institution, or follow the Lord himself through the Holy Spirit when the, the servants are return and deliver that message. Let's read 3 Nephi 21.6. For thus it behooveth the Father that it, the fullness of the gospel, should come forth from among the Gentiles, the LDS. And for this cause, that the Gentiles, the LDS members, if they will not harden their hearts, that they may repent and come unto me and be baptized in my name. And what? And know of the true points of my doctrine. Well, if they don't know, they've got to learn them. That's the restoration of the foundation we're talking about. And why do we need to learn those true points? So that we may be numbered among his people, the house of Israel. This is dividing spiritual Israel. We've got the sons of Christ, the sons of God, divided from the children of men. We've got to receive the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost. We've got to enter into the everlasting covenant so that we are worthy or capable of receiving the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What we're talking about here with this great division is already happening. It is the sifting of the wheat and the tares. Okay? Many of us will not recognize the truth when it is presented. Okay? What should be happening is we should allow the truths that we are hearing to enhance our knowledge. But what we commonly do is put up a brick wall and say, no, that's different. I reject it because it's different. Okay, different is uncomfortable, but uncomfortable and different does not mean false. Okay, we've got to be open to accept whatever the Lord says is true, not what other men say is true. Second Nephi 28, 26 to 28, and I think I added maybe 29 in there. Oh, it looks like I added a few early too. 
Therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth, all is well. And we know that the word woe means cursed, right? So 26, yea, cursed be to him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men. There we are again. These precepts of men just get in our way, don't they? And denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Man, let's not be in that great and spacious building mocking the doctrine of Christ. Let's embrace it. Pray about it. Yea, cursed be unto him that saith, we have received and we need no more. Are we satisfied with the lesser portion? Or do we want the fullness, the fullness of that foundation? 28 says, and in fine, woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock, that's the foundation, right? Receiveth it with gladness. He that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth, lest he shall fall. Woe be unto him that shall say, we have received the word of God, and we need no more of the word of God, for we have enough. Okay, let's embrace the foundation that Joseph laid. Okay, in our day, we need to accept it again, the true foundation. DNC 10. Now, if you really want to dig into Doctrine and Covenants and read it and make Make it meaningful to today. Look at DNC 10, DNC 1, DNC 88, DNC 84. They are beautiful. Um, I was going to share a lot more in DNC 10, but I could I, I could share the whole last half of that chapter. And it is all about today and what's happening in the church today and how the fullness is being restored today and how we lost the fullness early. It's amazing what's in that chapter. Okay, so 52 says, and he starts out by talking about the lost 116 pages. Okay, but then he transitions into the gospel fullness. Says, but those 116 pages, I think, had some of that fullness in there. And he's also somewhat talking about the sealed portion. But uh, let's, let's read it. It says, and now behold, I will bring this part of my gospel a second time. That's me inserting that to the knowledge of my people, the Gentiles. Behold, I do not bring it to destroy that which they have already, but to build it up. So he's going to add, the Lord can add to what we have. Because we've been teaching something less than what he's, uh, what he gave initially. 62 says, yea, I will also bring to light my gospel again, which was ministered to them previously. Now, I've added a few words here, but this is where we're reading it in both looking at it in Joseph's day as well as in our day. And behold, they shall not deny that which you have received, but they shall build it up. They're talking about the servants as they go forth. They're going to build up the original foundation and bring to light the true points of my doctrine. Yea, the only doctrine which is in me. Second Nephi 3.11. But a great end time seer, that's Joseph, will I raise up. Raise up has alludes to resurrection. Being born again of woman on the earth. He'll be raised up out of the fruit of thy loins. And unto him will I give power to bring forth my word unto the seed of thy loins. But not to the bringing forth of my word only saith the Lord, but to convincing them or us 
of my word, which shall have already gone forth among them from the initial restoration, from the first foundation that Joseph restored in his first ministry. It's already here. It's been in front of us the whole time in scripture, but the servants have put some of those puzzle pieces together to help us understand it more fully. Now, let's just confirm what the rock is from Scripture. Helaman 5.12. You guys remember this Scripture mastery, right? And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation. Christ is the rock. Why? When the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, Yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe. Because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. That's the doctrine of Christ. It's beautiful. Third Nephi 27. I'm sorry, guys, I added this scripture in in the end, and it's a lot. So I'm going to read through it fast. We're almost done, though. And the disciples said unto him, Lord, we will that thou wouldst tell us the name by where, whereby we shall call this church. Because there's disputations among the people. And the Lord said, why, why are you disputing about this? Verse 5, haven't they read the scriptures which say that ye must take upon you the name of Christ, which is my name? For by this name shall you be called in the last day. Right? He's the rock. And, so, and whoso taketh upon him my name and endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. At the last day. Wherefore, whatsoever ye shall do, ye shall do it in my name. Therefore, ye shall call the church in my name, and ye shall call upon the Father in my name, that he will bless the church for my sake. And how be it my church, save it be called by my name? For if it be called by in Moses' name, then it be Moses' church. Or if it be called in the name of a man, then it be the church of a man. But if it be called in my name, then it is my church. But here's the caveat. If it so be that they are built upon my gospel, the foundation, the rock. Verily, I say unto you that ye are built upon my gospel. Now, this is just after Christ restored the fullness to the Nephites. So absolutely, they were built upon my gospel. They had the fullness. Let's go on to. The second part of this, verse 10, if it so be that the church is built upon my gospel, the doctrine of Christ, then the Father will show forth his works in it. But if it's not built upon my gospel, if it's built upon the works of men, there's those men getting in the way again, or upon the works of the devil, verily I say unto you, they will have joy in their works for a season. The season that they're referring to in our day is the season from when Joseph initially restored it, the crumbling of the foundation, to the restoration of that foundation today. And by and by the end cometh, and they are hewn down and cast into the fire from whence there is no return. For their works do follow them. By their works, by their fruits, we shall know them. For it is because of their works that they are hewn down. Therefore, remember the things I have told you. Behold, I have given unto you my gospel. And this is the gospel which I have given unto you that I came into the world to do the will of my Father. That's the Lord himself entering into the everlasting covenant. He said, Father, not my will, but thy will. That's the everlasting covenant. 14, and my Father sent me that I might be lifted up upon the cross 
And after that, I had been lifted up upon the cross that I might draw all men unto me. Well, how does he do that? He draws men unto him through the gift of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost. 15, and for this cause have I been lifted up. Therefore, according to the power of the Father, I will draw all men unto me that come unto me, that they may be judged according to their works. And it shall come to pass that whoso repenteth and is baptized, that's the everlasting covenant, that's our responsibility, in my name shall be filled. Filled with what? With fire and with the Holy Ghost. And if he endureth to the end, behold, him will I hold guiltless before the Father at that day when I shall stand to judge the world. It's beautiful. 3 Nephi 11, 28 through 37. And I've summarized this one into just one paragraph. This is, again, the true foundation, the doctrine of Christ. There shall be no disputations among you, as there have hitherto been. Neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the true points of my doctrine, as there have hitherto been. And this is my doctrine. You must repent. Become as a little child. Again, the everlasting covenant. Be baptized in my name, or you can in no wise receive these things. And whoso believeth in me, and is baptized, the same shall be saved. And unto him will the Father bear record of me. How? How will he do that? For he will visit him with fire and with the Holy Ghost. That is how the Father bears record through the Holy Ghost of the Son. Because it's the Son pleading for us when we have truly demonstrated a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He pleads to us to the Father, and the Father grants the Son's wish or request and says, yes, so-and-so is ready to receive the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, and they receive it. Okay, a couple things I want to end with here. There are lots of great resources available to you. You probably know this already on the Doctrine of Christ website. It's doctrineofchrist.com. Okay, all these podcasts, there's videos on there, articles, podcasts, all available to you. Okay, there's a, a website um, called Zombre DOC for Doctrine of Christ that has a couple basic videos about the doctrines that we've talked about. Those same videos are actually on the Doctrine of Christ website. They talk about the return of Joseph Smith in more detail than we did tonight. They talk about what it truly means in more detail to offer up a broken heart and a contrite spirit. They talk about um, the return of Joseph Smith and the end time servants. They talk about discerning um, true and false messengers. They talk about the Gentiles, all things we've talked about tonight, just in a little bit greater detail. The, The good thing about them is they are short videos, most of them. Most of them are between 13 and... The very last one on there is is like 43 minutes. It's kind of long. And there's other wonderful, even better um, articles and podcasts on the Doctrine of Christ website. Now, there is one other thing, because I think I'm done with this presentation. I'm going to post this available to anyone that wants to download it. This is an 11 by 17 sheet 
that references a ton of scriptures on the doctrine of Christ or really on the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost. Now, I haven't visited this document for a couple of years, but when I, when I first started on my journey learning about the doctrine of Christ, I'll blow it up real quickly here. Notice across the top here, I have scripture after scripture that refers to the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And what I did is I categorized what was happening in each in each verse. So what was the setting like, for example? We'll look at this column. What was the setting like? What were the requirements to receive the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost? Did it mention the everlasting covenant? It did on some, it didn't on others. Now, I've learned a lot more since I created this, so I, I, I know it's not perfect, and, and heck, it's not even, wouldn't even be perfect if it was up to date, but I have on here, sorry, who, who gives the baptism of fire and holy, gift and holy ghost? Some verses say the Father, some say the Son, okay? It's actually in both in certain ways. What do they call it? Well, sometimes it's the, the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost. Sometimes it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it's being born of God or being redeemed of the Lord, spiritually begotten sons and daughters, right? So I've just categorized lots of different things about it and given you a bunch of scripture references. Um, sorry, I know that's going fast. It's, this is the event that justifies one or allows mercy to overpower justice. When you receive this event, you are redeemed from the fall of Adam. Doesn't necessarily mean that you receive eternal life, but you are redeemed from the fall of Adam. And there's other things as well. I even have a couple Joseph Smith quotes in here. I even have a quote by Lorenzo Snow, who uh, when he most likely received his baptism of fire and Holy Ghost, so it just, uh, you know, just something to reference. Anyone who wants, I'll put it in the, in the chat. Um, when we're done, Justin will have you open up the chat. So that is all I have tonight with the exception of my testimony. And my testimony is this. The doctrine of Christ is beautiful. It, yes, it was restored in Joseph's day. It is back today. The full foundation is here for us if we have hearts, soft hearts, we have eyes to see, ears to understand. If we take these things to the Lord, the Lord will tell us what he wants to do with them. The Lord will tell us exactly what he wants us to do with this information. If you throw it out without praying about it, that's not my fault. Take it to him. Let him tell you what he wants to, you to do with it. It's a beautiful thing. And I, I'll just leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.